I have these friends, Dan and Sheila. I actually they're podcast hosts. Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. I'm Dr. Redmond. And we are back for three episodes, really one episode and then a two-parter, of Cracker Mind Over Murder, the United States Cracker. Uh it's interesting. I'm not gonna say it's not interesting. I well, you know, if they wanted to do I mean, they couldn't do the LV. No, test. but they, but I mean, you what you get 20 minutes in, you're like, oh my God, they're trying to do to be a somebody. But yeah. What they, they're doing is, is the, American. the American version thereof. But yes. we'll get there. That's the second episode, the you second know, and third episode we're talking about. Yes, I know. But I mean, that was the. But it's the, kind of amazing because we talked about how they weren't going to be able to do to be a somebody. Right? And there what, was no way they could do it. And. We'll talk about how they found a way, kind of. Yeah, well, it's it's just, we'll talk about that when we get there. The first one is, um, you know, has that little kicker at the end. Yep. You know, has the twist. It's yeah. a typical twist at the end. Yeah. Uh, there, no, I what I have to say is that they're not, this is not an adaptation either. This is nope. their creation. Holy original story. Holy original story, except for the Fitz and Judith. Yeah, part. except they do the Fitz and Judith stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and that's basically... Oh, line for I line, think, the original. Yeah, but I think they're doing some interesting things, like to um, put the Judith and Fitz, because they are taking them from different places. Yeah. And they're putting them in time, but they're making the... Um, story work mm -hmm. we were wondering whether they were going to be successful in making that story work yeah um it does work here it really really does mm -hmm. i i think that they they're they're managing after they started to do their own they got their feet yeah and it's really too bad that those first five episodes were such botch jobs well, it was the true romance that was just... Oh, yeah. It was... I mean, again, the the thing that killed this show was having the worst pilot imaginable. Yeah. Like, just the worst way to start this show. And guess what? Every time, every time we talk... Yeah. If anything is the last couple of episodes have been any indication, we're going to be saying that. <laughs> I know. It's like, this show really could have had something if they had figured out how to, like, j get off on the right foot. Yes, because... I almost... Oh my God, if like they had built, right? Uh, if they had built this out the way they built out the relationship in the original, this thing could have had real legs. But but starting off by blowing up all of the relationships on the show and then trying to claw yourself back into the form that the show wants to be. Well, okay. And they're getting there. They're But they're getting there. But I who... know because what I'm really impressed with, but that's in if. I mean, I was yeah. really with the two-parter oh yeah no we'll, we'll, like, we'll get there i'm impressed with this one too i think that they did a really good job oh, yeah. of um dealing with a very strange issue oh yeah you know i mean um she's a porn star yep right and she strips yeah right? i i think that's relatively common oh yeah 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 no no i'm not i'm yeah. not I, no, I and she's got a sleazy boyfriend. Yep. Who uh, used to be a 
Yeah, and- used to be a porn star. Yeah, used to be a porn star, now just manages. Yeah. And uh, she is not at all pleased with his management. And meanwhile, we've got this... Yeah. She's she's what she is is a Jenna Jameson character. Type, yeah, with her scumbag um uh with her scumbag. Uh, yeah, we both by the way, we've both read her autobiography, which is kind of fascinating because yeah. it's uh I mean it's mean to say, but it's like living in denial the book. Yes. <laughs> like like her entire all the stuff about his childhood is here is all here is a recounting of all of the brutal sexual assaults that didn't affect me at all. No. <laughs> and that and they had no thing to do with how I turned up. Why I'm in this business. And how okay. like and how no, no, I view myself. Like nothing ever happened to me. I had a wonderful childhood. And then she goes to de- on to detail detail gang rape. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when she's 15, she other bizarre all of this sexual exploitation, these oh, like her who is who is addicted to pornography? Yeah, her uh, relationships with is, way too old men for her. Like, yeah, none of which affected her, according to her. None of which are responsible for how she turned out. And this is this is this this kind of situation. This is why I call it that. Yeah, I mean, I think it is like it's a it's normal, but um, or it's normal. Um, I think it. <laughs> I, I think what they did, though, was, I mean, they did a good job. Yeah. They did a good job. Whatever she had been, you know, she's moving toward the top of her profession. Yeah. And she's making more and more money. You see how she lives. You see the car she drives. It's all very much at the beginning. Oh, yeah. You know, you see you see the man getting basically cut at his job at the bank yeah. after 20, 25 years or whatever. People, if you recognize this actor, it's because it's Jeffrey DeMunn, who yes. is the guy who is in every Frank Darabont project. He's like Frank Darabont's best friend, and he's like his good luck charm and is in everything that Frank Darabont does. Yeah, well, this is, this is, um, no, he, no, and he was perfect. Oh, he's, that. he's amazing in this. It reminds me very much of Mitch Pelagi and the, um, oh, yeah. Family Annihilation. The, oh, absolutely. The Road Rage episodes. Yeah, Road yeah. Rage episode, I guess is what you'd call it. <laughs> Isn't that what it was? Is that not what it was called? No, what I was it called? It, Something well, like that. It might have been called Road Rage. Well, well, we can always check. That's But yes, it's the same kind of vibe. It is this man who is um, emasculated by his you know, job and his family and tries to take back what society tells him he should be. Uh, but here, of course, it's much more complicated because we're like, why is he obsessed with this stripper? And we find out it's his daughter. It's his daughter. Oof. Because we find out right at the beginning and because yep. he follows her home finally. Yeah. And um, so she lets him in. And you're wondering why she's letting this strange man in, yep. right? Like, like it, is, it is this very strange because she's he's at, he goes to the strip club where she strips. Yeah. You know, and so why would she let a just yeah, some this some guy now? And then all of a sudden, you know, she she calls him daddy, and it's just yep. like, oh, okay, okay. And he at the strip club watching her strip all the time. Yep. Okay, we already know this is a problem. This is a pretty big problem. Yeah. 
this, there is something wrong here, and he kills her. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't mean to kill her. He doesn't mean to. It is, uh, she refuses to let him back, like, she, after, let's face it, I mean, it's it's an episode about covert incest. Yeah. Right? And after a lifetime of him, you know, looking at her creepily and treating her creepily, and uh, she finally, you know, just pushes him to admit his attraction to her. And, at you know, he kills her to avoid having to face that. Mm-hmm. Which, yikes. It's and it's was, one hell of a start to an episode. Oh, it was, uh, yeah, throws her against the wall. Yeah. And... Kills her completely uh, accidentally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. You yeah. know, and then we just move off and we get fits and, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know that there's all that much to say about the, the Fitz Judith situation. It's because just- it's ex- an exact mirror. Like we do the scene with him, uh, with him having, well, no, uh, here's what I'll say that's different. Mm-hmm. Um, I could say in the original, they did a better job of establishing that like, him dealing with the fact that she was really moving on as triggering away from him as triggering his panic attack, heart attack. Yeah. Whereas here it kind of comes, it doesn't seem to have the same level of trigger. Well, no, because, well, yeah, but they, here's the old problem. Now we're talking if they're going to, going to cut anything out of that because they needed room for this story. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So they're going to, they're going to cut the fact that whole segment with him and Judith, in the house and him forgetting his son's birthday and all yeah. of that stuff. They just exactly. like that. Right. Um, yeah. You know, no, it, absolutely. And, uh, but I mean, it, it gets you to the important point. He has a near death experience. She realizes she cares about him. Uh, and we, you know, we get to where we get, which is just a copy of scene from the original. Yeah. You yeah. know, except that the, the screaming, that he screamed, like, I thought they did a good job because it was an important thing, that one, two, three, four, five, six thing. Yeah. Yes, right? Was. This is what happens. This is what happens. Now, he doesn't do that to Judith in the original. No. He does that in the, uh, in, in the, in the, in the police station, right? Yes. In the cop's office. Um, yep. He does that bump, 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 bump thing, right? Yeah. Um. But he does it to Judith, and I think that that worked very well. Oh no, it was a good place to use that, like yeah. for their characters. Yeah, I it was think absolutely so, the right place to use that moment. Like all of this shows that they could somehow or another work through all of this. It's just they didn't do the first two, three. Yeah. Um. But um. Yeah. So I think that uh, it was just what a. I mean, it reminds me. This is this is the criminal minds um episode that didn't go there. Yes, right? yeah, no. I mean the exactly yeah, yeah, um pleasure is my business where they pleasure. were afraid to say yeah. that she had been molested as a kid. Yeah. Uh, and this is willing to say it and he didn't molest her as a kid, but he treated her as an alien object in his own home that increasingly became a sexual obsession of his. Yes. And it was, it was, um, 
And I, so I, the writing is true yep. to what, like, I, I was amazed as we're going along how, how they managed to work it through, you know? Like every, every bit of the psychology makes perfect sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Like, it's really interesting as they're going and Fitz isn't getting there. No. Can't, like, none of them can kind of get there until all of a sudden Taylor, right? Tyler? Yep, Tyler. Tyler all of a sudden says, what if the mother was raped? Yep. And Fitz went, oh, shit. That would explain everything. All you need is that one little piece of information and got pregnant from the rape. Mm Mm-hmm. And that meant that, of course, he and, oh, God, and, of course, the mother is, it's always this thing about the daughter, right? Mm -hmm. And the only way the daughter can get attention, this is like the story of O. Yeah. The only way the daughter can get attention is parading sexually in front of her father. I'm not familiar with the story of O. Oh well, th- don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. No, it's it's about this little girl that was. That, I mean, she's um, she's a, a high, highly paid courtesan. Okay. Trained and to that's all she's ever been trained to do. When you go into this story of her childhood, this man who I guess her uncle I can't remember anymore. It's one of those things I'm sure if I put my mind to it, I could remember. remember the details. Like but, I've heard of it. I just don't know the plot. Like she's like, like two or three when she comes and this man just trains her to be a sexual, um, to be a sexual being. Really just an object. Yeah. A sexual object that he can pass around to his friends, that he can sell, that he can, you know. Yikes. It's, it, it is, um, you know, it's sort of, yeah, it's, it's that backstory. It is very, very, uh, yucky. Yeah. Yucky. It's, it's. I'm going to go on a limb and guess that it's French. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I had a suspicion that it was probably French. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. The closest we got to it was Lolita in English. Okay. That was right? Yeah. No. Oof. Yeah, yeah no, Lolita's the name you're looking for. Nabokov, Lolita. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Nabokov. like It's yeah. such an interesting episode because he, he yeah. murders the boyfriend because yeah. he blames like, he blames the boyfriend for turning her into a sex object which only made his obsession with her worse. Because now he could like become a subscriber to her website and obsess over her right from this really, distance yeah it was really good how they tracked how they tracked that down too you know they yeah. got all numbers and and the people who subscribed to her website and you know they narrowed it down and they found out who's who pays the most money every month and they looked into it and oh it's her father her father Oof. oops Jesus, <laughs> this episode that. And yeah, then, well, this episode doesn't let up for a second. No, and then finally, finally, because he hasn't come home, yeah. the boyfriend has been found, and they finally fits, finally sits down with the mother and just says, "You've got to tell the truth." Yeah, I loved. I love. I. I mean, I really loved the writing in this, like using mm-hmm. the monkey, right? Yeah. To hear, see, 
the hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. Yeah. Yeah. I said, and you know, there's a lot of monkey in your household. <laughs> you know, you've got to, you've got to face you've it. You've got to get it out. Yeah. And he asks her about the rape. And mm -hmm. um, they've been trying for 10 years to have a child. And he said, so he didn't know who the father he, was. And they father. just agreed to never check. That was, was stupid. Which was unbelievably stupid. Right? Which was unbelievably stupid. Well, oh, and it's like we go back to expectations of masculinity. Yeah. That way he would be haunted by this. Like, on one level, he's expected to just be a father and be a provider no matter what and suck it up and not have his own emotions about this. Yeah. And that ends up becoming corrupted into a sexual obsession with his own daughter. Yep. Because as Fitz says when he confronts him, and it's like, oh, okay, so he stole your wife, you'll steal this rapist's daughter. Yeah. Like, Jesus, but it makes sense. Oh, yeah. Psychologically, it, it, you see how he got, got there. Okay. I I have no complaints with the, the psychology of this and how she got how he got there because Yeah, it just you know, I mean, it, it just I, tracks. Yeah, it just tracks. The idea that somehow or another you're your child, your child, you can't have another man's child, right? Mm -hmm. Gotta you be can't ra you cannot raise another man's child. That nonsense, yes. You but know. the weird part is, it's strange, like the living, the never being able to talk about it, and yeah. the never being able to admit there's something wrong, just ended up making it worse. Yeah, because... Having to pretend something you weren't actually feeling. If he had done the test and found out that it wasn't his child then maybe he would have left his wife or maybe he would have been able to cope with it. But it's like the not knowing and the living in this, you know, Schrodinger's box, you know, like, who know, like, un, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? What it is. Uncertainty if, space. Uncertainty space. If it's not my daughter, I can have sex with her. If it is my daughter, I can't. And I don't know which. And maybe, but here's the thing is that he might have been lying to himself anyway, that if he had had, even if he had known this was his daughter, he probably would have sexualized his own daughter. Yeah, he might have. His biological daughter. Even yeah. if, she, if he'd known, he might have. Or he might have been a little, I don't know. Because well, no, but I mean, he might have, but he also might not have because the entire yeah. sexualization of the daughter might have been born out of his feeling like he had been emasculated by her existence. Mm -hmm. And so he's going to prove to her that he's a man. Like, it's it's a very complicated psychological situation this character is trapped in. Yes, and the fact is, again, the truth will set you free. Yeah. I hate to tell you this. You can't, you can't start hard. getting better until you say the thing that's true. Yeah. And, and until you say it. Yeah. And this guy spent 20 years living a lie. Yes, well, and it just got worse and worse and worse. But so they were already married 33 years. Yeah. They had been married 10 years. Yeah, before. And she, the daughter is 23. Is 20, yeah, 22. 23. So. No, 23. Oh, yeah, because she left when she was 17 and it's been six years. Yes. Yeah, they haven't seen or heard from her in, except that. Uh, <laughs> they have. He has seen her. He has. All the time. He's spending a thousand dollars a month on her website, and you know, going to the strip club and everything. Like he's he's seen her. 
And you know, I mean, you can just, I mean, even Fitz is just like, it's this astonishment. Yeah. Because when they finally go, well, you can't go in there. That's his office. Do you have a key? <laughs> <laughs> the wife, right? It's after that Fitz confronts her. But they go in and there's, because there's no yeah. underwear in the girl's house when they mm-hmm. go through it, right? Yeah. It says, she's a porn star. How is she not going to have any underwear? And Lacey and fancy schmancy things and whatever there was none of it oh yeah all piled up in his office in his office space jesus this episode (laughs) oh my god this episode hear no evil speak no evil yeah evil you know i mean the mother you know it's it's but it is a typical also of the incest family the mother will bring the daughter oh yeah you know, and the mother, and you see that in the beginning, how she mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And she was always like this, blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's fascinating. It. I mean, so anyway, they have him, and then comes the twist, because I want to get to if. Yeah, okay. And, and the it, twist is he had a blood test done. Uh, Fitz went it, and had a blood test done, and turns out it was his daughter. It was his biological, biological daughter. daughter the whole time. Yep. And that's, he, how it if, is. <laughs> and that's and that's literally the last thing that happens in the show, except for Fitz, you know, mm-hmm. being drunk. Of course. And drunk dialing. He's constantly drunk dialing, dialing his wife and demanding a divorce and saying he's going to have his lawyer call in the morning as if Fitz would ever commit to doing that. Yeah. Oh, I think that might have been like, I'm trying to figure out the Fitz stuff, which is in this episode and which, because where is Tyler's boyfriend? In the That's the next episode. That's in if part one and two. Yeah, so then, because Fitz drunk dials his wife. Yeah. Then in the second half of if. Yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, because if uh, does. the Oh, my God. So let's. Yes, yeah, so let's move on. I just wanted to move on to if because I think wow. that they managed to find something as compelling mm-hmm. as i can't imagine this this episode did it air it it did air yeah oh my god this must have caused so many problems <laughs> i wouldn't this be episode, surprised this episode managed to find um their some, version of their version of albie yeah and but it is mixed up in race. Of course, it's yeah. the race riots after the Rodney King verdict. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's, oh, and it's it was so nice. It turns out that, of course, What's-His-Face's wife is uh, is um, the aunt in The Equalizer. Queen oh, Lucy. really? Yeah. Nice. Like, I, the minute I saw her, I went, is that? And then we got a close-up, and I'm going, yeah. Yes. Oh, that's Danny's wife. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Right. Uh, so a sniper is shooting black women. Yeah. Uh, and he is doing it. All right. A sniper is shooting black women and he's shooting them a weirdly large amount of times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they nobody has the slightest idea why. And because it's Los Angeles and because they're black, the cops want to assume this is a drive-by shooting. But they've got a witness that says that the shots were coming from up high. And they go up there and they find the shells and they're like, oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. No, no, this is a sniper. This is a sniper. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So the, the first woman we see has been shot twice, but there was one before that. Who had been shot five times. 
times and then the next one gets shot nine, nine times. times and it's like that is such a large number of it is such a large number of shots that they can't help but immediately realize there has to be a numerical significance to this and he's leaving the shell casings yeah he doesn't even seem to care about picking up his shell casings no so no. he can't be he might be a sniper but he can't be a professional that's what they say yeah, he's uh, not doing it if he wants to He's not to get doing caught. it the professional way. He seems to want to get caught, which yeah. uh, actually gets into the fact that, like, uh, well, I mean, it's the Alby thing. It's like he never thought he was going to get away with it. He just wanted to make a mess. But uh, we'll, we'll get there to where it crosses over with the Alby storyline. Well, even this, you know, because it takes a long time for us to... I'm glad they took two episodes to do it. Oh, with this epi this one, this story needed two episodes. Yeah, because you could never have done it. it because it's so complex, right? We do see who the killer is. Yep. And this is the first one where we spend uh, a lot of time with the killer mm -hmm. and his motivation. Yep. And and it's no, they are doing things differently. It's that no, it is not to be a somebody, but it is it oh. is trying to serve for this show what that episode did for the original. Yes, and I think it does. I mean, it is absolutely. It is, you know, um, it's a different. It's a different city. It's a different time. It's a different place. It's a different issue. Yeah, but it is still the same sort of thing that what happened. And when we find out what happened, you just feel so sorry for this man. Yeah. His whole world being ripped apart. But, oh, yeah. you know, because what they do is they bring in white supremacists because they do find out that, you know. that well, Yeah, their first thought is let's go and find the white. I mean, it's it's yeah, black women it's getting only shot. Only black women yeah. getting shot. So let's go check out with the Nazis. And so you have a scene where they interview a Nazi and we get to see Fitz, you know, massively monstrously insulting a Nazi in a very entertaining scene. Well, no, and, and it is very, very good, right? Yeah. It reminded me, you know, in that sense of the American form of, of that kind of Nazism of, um, you know, using the term mud people in the rest oh, of yeah. it. Oh, right? yeah. So it's, it, it's around that same time because they're doing this around the same time that wise guys are. Oh uh, no, this is uh this is six years later. later. This is seven years later. Yeah, seven years later. Okay, never yeah. mind. So they yeah. saw. Yeah, no, you know? they saw. They're using it's the same kind of it's the same kind uh, of language white, and it's the same kind of acknowledgement of what white supremacists are like. Yeah, in the States. Yeah. Specifically. Um every every white supremacist group, I'm sure, has its has, they've all got the same core values, but they express them in different ways. Yeah. Well, no. And I mean, they he points out that like it literally can't be this guy because this is the most yeah. violent white supremacist they have on record. But it, yeah. he's like, it literally can't be this guy because this guy's M.O. was, you know, dragging a black child off the street and brutally beating him. Yeah. And he's like, no, this and, is a sniper. And, and, this is a professional. Yes. And, you know, carving a swastika into his back. Yeah. Right. And whereas like this, this is a sniper. This is a professional. This is a kill from long range. This, uh, whereas he, he profiles the white supremacist as like just a guy who's just a sadist and uses white supremacy as a way to justify the violence he wants to commit anyway, which yeah, yeah. that's fair. Fair enough. You know, that's fair enough. That's 
Why do you think people become Proud Boys? It's because they want to get into street fights and they, you know, find an excuse. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't have any problem with them profiling it that way, but it's it's still a very good scene. Uh, meanwhile, Tyler has started dating somebody, and in case he looked familiar to you, I don't know if he did, uh, they found, and I mean, it was an interesting choice, because they found what could be described as a cartoonishly handsome man. You know, <laughs> a guy who looks like a drawing of a handsome man. And years later, that um, that man. that trait of his would be well used by the show Mad Men, because that's Betty's second husband on Mad Men. <laughs> the guy who's just like this uh republican party functionary who she ma who marries her because he needs you know the perfect wo uh, looking woman to be at republican party fundraisers like this ridiculously distinguished looking man so it's like yeah uh because if you wanted someone to make fitz feel bad about himself this is exactly the guy you would pick oh sure and he's the dog handler yeah he's the, he's the cop He's a canine yeah. cop, so he, you know, uh, spends all of his time with a dog that he's very close with, because that's what being a canine cop is like. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> meaning he's also good with animals, which means he's probably good with children. So there you go. There like, you go. <laughs> Fitz doesn't have a pet. It's worth noting Fitz doesn't have a pet. No, Fitz no. is too self-centered to have a pet. Yeah. No, this guy. No, I. I mean, I really like that. That yeah, was a nice thing. element. You know it. In in that sense, setting up that Sydney was done with him long. I mean, what's her name? Hannah. She, Hannah. Yeah. That Hannah was done with Fitz long before, uh, like at the very first episode. It's already clear that she's done with Fitz. Yeah. But she has to put up with him. Yeah. But this gets to be. I mean, Fitz becomes like he's horrible with his own wife. Yeah. And his children. He's horrible with her. Yep. You know, I mean, this is, but she's, um, this guy, but this guy couldn't give a shit about Fitz. He knows about Fitz, couldn't give a shit. Why would he? <laughs> yeah, it's such a nice touch. Yeah, please, Fitz is trying to, Trying you know, to get under his skin, doesn't matter yeah. to him. He turns around and looks at him, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. well, yeah, whatever, and uh, I'll, I'll see you in the parking lot. Yeah. It's such a nice touch. And it's like a person who fits can't get under his skin. Yeah, yeah. That was really, really mm -hmm. good. You know, yeah. they never got there in in the I, I was I was happy to see that. Yeah. I mean, just, there's a lot of little things in this episode that are different. And I was happy to see they're dealing with that. I think the uh as you know. Yeah. Uh, that relationship a lot better who knows where they might have gone with it going forward going yeah it's a on. it's an interesting take on it but i i will maintain that having parker there hurts the development of the two lead cops because you know having this other cop there means they get less screen time means they get less of a chance to do their own thing and it's like because other than that one line about her thinking that maybe what if the wife was raped right in the previous episode yeah. i don't know that hannah gets a line you know <laughs> yes well she gets a few more but it's well yeah it's kind of it's weird that whole thing but at least robert wisdom gets his yeah oh no i mean robert wisdom gets a huge <laughs> amount this week finally 
You know, he's had nothing to do for weeks. And now, boom, he gets two episodes that are all about him. And uh, so what it, what's going on with him is his wife, um, they're split up and he's got a 17-year-old son. And his wife is dating a 27-year-old man. And she's 39 and her boyfriend is 27. And uh, in, in a, in a quote unquote coincidence, it's someone that Danny had arrested years earlier when he was a high school student. Yes. So again, it goes back to, it, did she somehow pick a guy who was going to be uh, like the most triggering for her ex-husband? You know, but how could she have known that? Or is just it's just a coincidence, but she picked the absolute worst person to be dating. Or maybe with. or maybe that guy, given given what we where we end up with, maybe yeah. that guy picked her. Exactly. Like that's the thing. We like we are left with that possibility. Yeah, that's but there is one problem with the episode. Right? And that is like the the utter preposterousness with which that Robert Wisdom is 100% like wants to get his wife a gun and is 100% certain that she's in danger with these series of murders. Yeah. And for no reason. Yeah. And then yeah. for a completely contrived reason he is. And I keep waiting for him to have guilt, like him to be involved in the crime that this is all because of right mm -hmm. and that never comes up like i it's just the way he acts and the fact yeah, that he no. gets his wife a gun makes it seem like he knows something and yeah. he's covering something up and so for a good part of the episode i'm like did he ensure that like somebody didn't go to jail for beating this woman nearly to death yeah it, right it, did it, he cover up for somebody well, but the the point is, yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you that is there something or did, did, was he involved? I don't know, in arresting or beating. I don't know. Like, I'm trying to figure out, well, why is he doing this? This seems so stupid. First of all, it's a sniper. Yeah. They haven't even figured out what 529 means yet. Exactly. Right. And he's giving her a gun. Like, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. Yes, it is contrived. And, and why I would say it gives more credence to the that guy chose her once he had once they had split up. Yeah. Is because not even the son knows because the son overhears him yeah. saying, Yeah, well, you know, but I arrested him. What? You it arrested him? Like, really? <laughs> really? Okay. Now it's starting to make sense why dad is so, <laughs> so pissed off okay. about this relationship. Yeah. Absolutely. No, it's, uh, like like I said, if there's one problem with this episode, and I think there really is only just the one problem with this episode, it's that, like, Robert Wisdom stuff seems to come, like, it seems like another shoe is going to drop with him, and it never Somewhere. does. No, and it doesn't, and I and I don't even, other, other than to put a, she has a gun in her purse, so that guy can have a different gun? Well, no, but I mean, it's like fundamentally, car? like the, him, her having a gun in the purse, like doesn't really matter because oh. let's face it, I think he was always going to like, he doesn't just take her to the hospital because he gets shot. I think no. he was, that was always a good, I think Fitz is right. And he doesn't shoot her because he has, you know, 
troubleshooting somebody at point blank range. He can't shoot somebody in the because face. unlike as he says, unlike most snipers, you're not a psychopath. Yeah. You know, you need the distancing yeah. to be able to kill somebody. And oh God, right. The idea that he was um essentially effectively, you know, a special forces assassin in Central America. Yep. Oof. Uh, and as he points out, and I bring in, because, by the way, the killer is Hispanic, right? And uh, and Fitz even says, like, you know, getting over the fact that, like, all the people, uh, you know, you were being asked to shoot are, look more like you than the people giving you the orders do. And I'm like, damn. Or at least like your mother. Well, no, because I mean, he's clearly Hispanic. Well, yes, except that as as Fitz points out later on, of course, you you're you're a fair skin. Yeah. I mean, the racial issues that it is dealing with in this episode. Oh yeah, are enormous. Like I, they I really are. But if this aired, there had to have been massive blowback on this issue. It wouldn't shock me if this, there was. Because what happens, of course, is that he but he basically comes pretty close to passing. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, and that's the thing. Looks, it's like it looks like there's two white people in a car because yes. it's him and his white wife, and he just looks like a white guy with black hair. Yeah, and when and you see it, him with just a white guy with black hair, when you see him with the hair in the car, you're right. He's much more passing as white than when he shaves his head. Yes, and what happens is, is uh, the only thing I wanted to say is his son looks more Hispanic than than he does. Yes. Right? Which, when you see that his wife is a, a pale white lady with red hair, you're like, okay, well, his genes were, you know, lucked we're out. We're dominant. We're very <laughs> dominant in that we're very uh, dominant. kid, yeah. clearly. The reason you know, of course, immediately he's Hispanic. Like, I think it was really good that the son, like, there's the son. He doesn't want to go and see his mother on Friday night. Yeah. And you can't figure out what the hell is going on. Mm -hmm. Like, I was sitting there going, you know, and the mother is talking to her son and saying, look, you know, you got to give him some, he doesn't want to go. Yeah. Right. And, but she just can't. So the son doesn't go that, that Friday night. And then, but he goes and we see it. That's like the end of the first episode. episode yeah. That his wife is in a coma. His wife is in a coma. And has been for five years. Since the riots. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that the riots put her in the hospital you just don't know the, the details yeah and the, and the details yeah and when we find it out it is just it's just like when albie talks about what happened yeah at the football stadium mm -hmm. right? you know you're blaming everybody else right yeah. but when we find out it's this whole business of when you really find out mm -hmm. what happened it's just like oh my god yeah, it's just so brutal. You know, I mean, it was. Yeah, this woman is dragged out of a car and beaten. And as a, you know, as a recreation of what happened to Rodney King. No, I don't know that she was raped. Yes, she was raped. Was she? Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Uh, but yes. Uh, and then she was beaten. Yeah. But the point is, she was like brutalized by this crowd. Yeah. Kicked him. Well, there's five guys. Yeah, exactly. It was just five guys. Yeah, I don't know that she was raped. I think you might have been. Yeah. 
No, okay. no, I'll, I'll go back. We can you can go, go back. back and check and we can talk about it later. But the point is, she was uh, brutally attacked by these, well, four guys and one guy who was just there. Yes. Because they go out of their way to say that the guy who Danny had arrested and is now dating his wife uh, was just there and did not participate in the assault. But that doesn't mean he gets a pass. He doesn't get a pass because, of course, why this man is doing this is... You know, I mean, he sat there, he couldn't do anything about it. And he wants to, he's killing the spouses, spouses of the men. Yeah. And he's doing it because the trigger is that the doctors told him it might be time to pull the plug. Yes. He has to start thinking about pulling the plug. It's a persistent vegetative state. It's been five years. There is no chance she's going to get better. And that is the trigger. Right, that is the thing that's going to make him finally lash out and show these men, you know, what it's like, what they took from him, and it by tell, taking and, that from them. Yeah, and you know the fact that he had to sit in the car and he couldn't do anything. He was yep. there. He was military. He was a sniper, and you know, faced with this, he couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. He just froze. Well, no, and it goes back into the it goes back into the his masculinity being attacked that we talked about in yes. the previous episode. It's the exact same kind of thing. Like the worst thing you can do, especially to this type of guy, this type of military man who lives by this whole thing, but lives by this performative masculinity. The worst thing you can do is say, is tell him or make him see that he's not a man or make him feel like he's not a man. Yeah. Well, and, and Fitz brings that up. Oh yeah. When he's talking with him. Like it, it is, it is. I the thought... episode gets, I mean, again, we have been waiting and I would argue that we have been waiting the whole show. For a fit scene as good as him and the guy in the hospital room. Yeah. The fact that he shows up in the hospital room and Fitz is waiting for him. It's it's the best written and it's the best acted scene we've had in the show so far, I would argue. I mean, it's it's it was so good. Yeah, it was so good. You you feel this man's pain. Mm -hmm. You can feel Fitz, right? Actually empathizing yeah you know um it, yes it this was good mm-hmm. this it's was just really powerful good yeah no it really is it's a powerful scene because he manages to and i know it's it's weird but of course this guy is less objectionable than albie was as a person it's well weird yeah to say because that. He, he's been a, a good guy yeah because the whole time and that's well, yeah. and I mean, the thing is, right, he has been a good guy and he's been trying to do the right thing. And he just been had all of this rage building up inside of him. Yeah. And when they say he's got to kill his wife, and he calls it killing his wife. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, he's he's wife. straightforward about it, you know, and he can't do it. Yeah. Oh. He can't do it and he won't let anybody else do it. Yeah. But the fact that they, and it is a nice note that they figure out that it's not a racial thing. Yeah. Uh, because a white guy gets shot and it turns out one of the perpetrators was gay and uh, this was his boyfriend and that's what makes them realize that this is only about the partners. Yes. Uh, That was a nice touch. That's a good scene. No, actually, yeah. No, all these little things, yeah, you could forget some of those, but that was, you know, there's the cop, right? Well, yeah, and I'm living with him and so Fitz just says, well, did he make furniture for you? Right. Yeah, oh. I know, you know, right? And the guy and the cop is 
crying and crying and crying, right? <laughs> oh my God. Because he comes out with first the, yeah, the, the line. He yeah. comes out first with the line. Well, you know, he offered me a cheap room. He had a spare room in his house, you know, and that's why I'm living so far away because it's really cheap. Yeah. And then as he's crying, and you know, he, he gets more and more emotional. Yeah. Pretty because, clear. you know, he can no longer hide. Like he can only hold together the facade yeah. so long that his boyfriend didn't just get killed. Yeah. And, and Fitz, that's as they say, then they realize that this hasn't to do with race. This has to do with something else. Yeah. Which and, backs into being about race, but backs into yes, it. Yes. But backs into it. Yeah. That's exactly it. It's, yeah. And it, um, it's, well, at least I guess um, she's not going to, um, the Equalizer's aunt is not going to end up marrying this guy. Probably not. Well, you already know he's a bit slimy. Yeah. But what what I found interesting, right? Uh, I mean, and there there is a great scene. There is a really good scene where uh, the guy goes to kill her and he gets delayed and he gets uh, accosted by a um, by a security guard. Yeah. And they have a fight and the security guard goes over the side and that's where he loses his rifle, which is why yeah. he has to end up, you know, uh, grabbing his gun and going after uh, Danny's wife just with his pistol, with his handgun. Uh, but what I found interesting about that whole sequence, right, is the uh, uh, when you're watching it, you're like, OK, so this guy really doesn't like they they managed to humanize him as he's killing an innocent bystander. In a way, they didn't with Albie, right? Because in Albie, like, that guy... Because it's exactly the same scene. A security guard yeah. catches him when he's doing something. Yeah. Right? Uh, whereas for that Albie, whereas here, he's just, like, basically begging the guy to just back away and, you know, don't make him do something. And he want, And the security guy wants to be a hero. Yeah, and the security guy wants to be a hero. A uh, security guy fantasizes about being a soldier of fortune type. Yeah. Yeah. It's a guy. I mean, he's clearly coded as a guy who could not get into the cops. Yeah. You know, <laughs> a guy who couldn't make it into the LAPD. An interesting thing, and it comes up with the conversation between Danny and the wife's boyfriend, is that Danny, I mean, we find out previously, right, uh, that Danny ha was not in LA when the riots happened. He was out of the country when the riots happened. And because it, and I think they could have, they touch on it in the conversation he has with the wife's boyfriend. I think they could have gone even farther with that of asking the question of, well, you know, how would you have felt? And would you have been one of the cops shooting people like shooting rioters if you had been in the country at the time? And that's the implication of what the boyfriend says to him. And it's like, we never really get a straight answer from that well, about that from Danny in an interesting way. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, he doesn't give a straight answer because there isn't, there isn't an answer. I think that honestly, he probably doesn't know what he would have done exactly. like in, in, in many ways, mm -hmm. because I mean, the confrontation between Danny and the boss. Yep. It's, it's pretty clear that Danny does smart under the racism of the LAPD. Oh my God. Yeah. That scene. And that scene was very, very good, but yep. he was not taking, he was taking nothing from the wife's boyfriend. Nope. He going, yeah, as he turns around and look, well, if they had been sat at home 
and been watching TVs, their TVs, because nobody would have died. You know, and watching TVs instead of stealing them, they wouldn't be dead. Bro. Yeah. You know, like, and it's like they they did a good job of showing like this is quote unquote black on black confrontation mm-hmm. over these over these issues now as we and that's why we have to know that well i mean uh let's face it it's black on uh that's it's 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 complicated because it's black on cop as well as black on black well yes but because it's, it's also, about what side are you on but you have to yes but you have to understand fitz does make that crack oh yeah because because danny was in paris Mm-hmm. And he says, "Oh, you've got you were going on the Baldwin tour, yeah. James Baldwin." Yeah, you know, um, it's a really good line. Who 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 affected the French, and they called themselves the White Beep. of Canada. Yeah, um, and those were Italians, but um, mm-hmm. <laughs> in Sault Ste. Marie, anyway. Um, but yes, but James Baldwin. He said, "So you went on the Baldwin, and I can't remember the other guy." tour of Paris, you know, going to the same coffee shops and reading the books and stuff like that. So it's clear that Danny is different, right? Mm -hmm. And what he might have done had he been, because it's after he came back after the fact. Yep. Right? What he might have done had he been in that situation, we just don't know. And so Danny, as cop, says, yeah, but, you know, if they just stayed at home. Yeah, because that's the easiest way. It's the easiest way for him to process what happened. Yeah. You yeah. process it as a cop. Yeah, yeah. So it, it is... Um, it, it's, it's very inter. It's a very good episode because it deals with all of these issues. And, oh, my God, like, them getting to the ending of, like, Fitz talking him out of the gun. Yeah. But then keeping, like, uh, keeping everybody out of the room. Yep. So, so the guy can say goodbye to his wife. Yep. That's such a good scene. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, but if, see, I thought one of the other ones was good, but this, this. Yeah, this is, is the scene. This is just. That whole scene in the hospital room with Fitz mm-hmm. and our killer is just wonderful. So powerful. Yeah. So powerful. And it's like they got they knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah. And what they wanted to say. It, it is um Yeah. It's an amazing episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it brings up all sorts of issues. Oh yeah. There is nothing about this episode that is simple. No. It's not easy. Not even with, you know, with you get that, that, those things and that, that, that tension. Yeah. That being a black cop, that in fact, this is more, in some ways, more powerful than, than sort of the whole Beck stuff. In a way. Right. Um, because I mean, Fitz does still pushes like over different issues, but mm-hmm. still pushes Danny at one point. Oh yeah. So it it is it, it's it's um they did a really good job. Not but the Beck stuff is so completely different. Right? Oh, it is that it doesn't even like there's not a question of 
all the weird questions that are there. But Fitz's role as the provo pro provo provocateur, provocateur, in these, in both, ep in both of the these episodes, like both these, both these arcs. situations, yeah, both these arcs, is uh, is yeah. consistent. Oh yeah, it is. I mean, he fits. He says it the exact, like, he plays the same role. And again, it's yeah. it's the best they've done at making this feel like it's still Cracker, but it's the American Cracker. Yeah. And it's very impressive. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I found interesting, and I think it's worth mentioning, right, just in passing, is that they... Um, the, it is framed slightly differently, and this is the, um, right, the big part. Mm-hmm. Uh, by making it a guy who is a victim of the riots rather than one of, like, because that's the difference with Albie, and that's what makes this the way you could do it in America. Mm -hmm. Because if, right, um, the victim had been a rioter who, like, the killer had been a rioter who was getting some sort of revenge for how the police acted, yeah. and how because that's, that's the Albie version of this. Yes. And that is the one way this is sanitized. Because the Albie version of this is the killer is a rioter who believes he was justified in what he was doing and had friends and family murdered by the cops. And, like, uh, uh, I mean, maybe didn't even riot himself, but, like, had a friend or family who was murdered by the cops for going out there and rioting right? During the uprising, right? And like, that's the Albie version of this. That's the way. And it is by making it a victim of the riots, yeah. it hedges. I mean, it's a powerful episode and I'm not pretending it's not a powerful episode, but it hedges its bets. And, you know, I'm not saying it lets anybody off the hook, but it allows you to get close to the killer more easily. Do you see what I'm oh, saying? Well, well, okay. Yes. I In a way it. that it doesn't with Albie. Yeah, because well, this true. is this is not is fundamentally not an episode about how black people are treated in America. There's nods to it, especially as you say the James Baldwin line. Yeah. And the tour of England, uh the tour uh, of France. Yeah. And yeah. by the way, like if you want to find a fascinating story, it's the story, if you want to look at an interesting point of history, it's all of the black intellectuals and artists who went to France between the world wars. And right. then after the Second World and War. And then after the Second World War, but especially between the World Wars. Because after there was this thing where all of these black guys fought in World War uh, One, yeah. And then they came back and then you had, you know, the Summer of Blood or whatever, Red Summer of 1919, where all of these black veterans had come home and they expected to be treated well because they just won a war and they were veterans. And it led to the largest amount of lynchings in American history. It was it was it was the most nightmarish thing that had happened. One of the most nightmarish things that had happened in America up to that point. It was summer of 1919 and so many black people if they had the resources, if they had the wherewithal, got if they had the ability, up. got as far as they could and a lot of them went to France. Well, and plus they were treated well in Europe as exactly. opposed to as opposed to they were treated like human beings. Mm -hmm. as opposed to America. 
And yeah. it's it's very fascinating. It's like men were being killed for wearing their uniforms in public because all of the, you know, scumbag Americans, scumbag white Americans who didn't fought a fight oh. had their manliness questioned by their being black veterans of the war. Right. And so they took that out on them because, of course, they did. They're scumbag racists. And that is a very interesting part. And that's when you're talking about the James Baldwin trip to France. That's the history of blackness about using France as a place to flee American racism. And so it's well, like, I'll be, I'm just you, saying, please. No, no. Continue. What I was going to say, all you have to do is go um, watch some of the documentaries on some of the blues performers. Exactly. All and, of whom and, like went to France and you know, collaborated and invented this style of music. And even in the 60s, right? Even mm -hmm. in the 60s, they they were just a lot more accepted. Yeah. Because, I mean, remember the 60s, you still have this massive white white racism. Oh, my God. It's not like Billie Holiday was the only person who ever died because <laughs> he couldn't go to a white hospital. Jesus Christ. In the South, you yeah. know? Um, it, it, don't even want to talk about it. Like, it, I get it, it. it. Well, no, it's not that I don't want to talk about it. It's that it is so like so many other things. Yeah. It's so angering that that Americans, these these people seem to have no sense of their history. Yeah. And no sense of what they have done. Mm -hmm. It's just but it 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 goes to the, the, the sexual thing too, and why we're talking about rape culture too right oh, yeah. it, it's, how can you you get i know i know i know i know you're socialized into this <laughs> yeah. and i know i know what the answers are but it's infuriating because mm -hmm. i didn't get socialized into that culture no so and you lived in a place where you easily could have yeah it's like not you like lived it spoiler alert sue say marie's pretty racist yeah, well, we just didn't have anybody to be racist about it. Yeah, so you didn't. Except for the Italians. Such. Except for the Italians. Except for the Italians. Yes, they were. That's what I called yeah. them. Yeah. And, 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 and class and somebody, I can remember once when I came back and we yeah. were talking about racism because, of course, things have changed, had changed by the time I got back in 2004. In mm -hmm. terms, I said, yeah. And they, I said, look, I said, when I grew up, I said, you know, and the whole class, I mean, they all understood it because, like, because there are a lot of Italians in my class. Right. And, I mean, we've had, I mean, the Italian, they just moved themselves. The Esposito brothers in hockey, hey, yeah. they did a big thing for the Italians. As you they said. really did. But anyway, um, but, but adapting and everything else. But when I said this in class and when we were talking about it, I said, no, I said, I said the Italians were the closest thing to being African-American. You yeah. know, or, or, you know, to being the blacks of Sault Ste. Marie, put things in such a stark way. Racism exists and, mm -hmm. and it's always there. It's because well, something new comes in. Yeah. Right. And it's going to reshape the world that you live in. Yes. It, mm -hmm. it always seems people have a vested interest in protecting some kind of a status quo. And I think you're yeah. you're referring to the Italian community when you were growing up as the closest thing you had to black people in um 
Suzanne Marie is actually a really good point. And it's uh, and it speaks to something that I think is, is very central to this, which is the whole concept of whiteness is mm-hmm. like it creates the concept of blackness to give itself something to be superior to. Like you invent whiteness to create an in-group so you can essentially you create blackness first as the out-group you can rally to be against, right? Mm-hmm. Like you start, I know it sounds crazy, but in a way you start with blackness before you invent whiteness and whiteness is whatever you don't abhor and whatever you don't exclude. Because if you go to England, black people means Indians or black people means people as from well Pakistan, as, as well as people from Africa. Or right? from the Jamaica yeah, uh, Africa. Who are originally you know, via, you know, via exactly. Jamaica. Exactly. Africa via Jamaica, right? Because the idea is whiteness is a relatively recent invention and it was invented. And in a sense, blackness was invented first as a thing that we can get together to oppose. And that is why the concept of blackness, you know, is so vastly different from place to place. Right. Well, and it's, it's a very interesting concept. And I think, like I said, I think it's a very good episode, but it is not as dangerous as to be a somebody. It might not be as dangerous as to be a somebody. Yes, because like the, 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 what I just wanted to say was the, the version of to be a somebody, the Albie version of this is a guy who's, and it's mostly the same episode, a guy whose wife was, you know, put into a coma by the cops firing wildly into a crowd of people. Right. And then a guy who had to look at the press referring to him and his wife, who was just, you know, trying to get home, getting shot by the cops and put into a coma, a black guy whose black wife, you know, was basically murdered by the cops for being outside during a riot, right? A, a riot that the cops caused by, you know, beating a man half to death and then lying about it on the stand and then getting away with attempted murder, right? And then this guy having to watch as his wife is in this coma, as he's struggling to raise the child as a single parent, as the press blame his wife for what happened to her and blame him and call him an animal, right? That's the Albie version of this. And that's the thing that, and I understand why you can't do that. And then he starts killing cops and white people and members of the press just like albie did right and i understand why you can't do that okay In okay America. thank you i understand why they couldn't do that episode different. no well it's not as different as you'd think right no, but i, I understand why in america they couldn't do that episode in 1997 because what i'm telling you is that this episode is no it's as far as they could go it, it it very very when I think 1997. Yeah, I completely agree with you. But it's just so weird to see how in America, even when you're getting this incredibly intense, and I'm going to say very good episode of television, how they can't go as far as the UK does. Yeah, well, they the have to hold back. Well, yeah, and and that one always has to yeah. understand. I mean, I'm just trying to think. For heaven's sakes, Audrey Smedley's book on the social construction of race, yeah, barely came. I don't even had think almost it was just come out. There you go. You know, it was it was 
when I'm using, when I, because I started using it when I was teaching sociology yeah. at Algoma. So 2004, I started using it. Audrey right. Smedley's book, and it had just come out. And it was, it was so controversial. Yeah. This whole idea of the social construction of race. Yeah. Um, and it, surprisingly, you know, it shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. James Baldwin, anybody? (laughs) (laughs) It's not like this isn't it isn't reflecting people's experience, right? You know, but never mind. Yeah, you know, know. Cornell West. (laughs) Yeah, there's people out there who've been talking about this forever, forever. But it's not something that is aware. But the thing is, it's like there is this you know desire to believe. You know, I mean, what is American it? American cult- dream. Well, the American dream, as that previous episode was called. Uh, well, no, just the American cult of tradition and the assumption that the way things are, the way that they have always been slash the way they're supposed to be. Yeah. You know, and that's that's all in there. It's the founding of the uh, the founding of the myth. Yeah, it's and this founding about- myth of America. Yeah, and it's we've talked and. They don't want to deal with manifest destiny. I mean, we we do talk. We just did ravenous. Yeah, we just did ravenous, right? Yeah. Um, but it is so weird. I mean, we talk about Canada sometimes, and it's it's structurally so different. Oh yeah. Uh, That's not to say we don't have our own massive problems. Oh, we have massive problems, but they're structural problems that are so different Mm -hmm. i just and it's partly i i was thinking about that while i was watching this one because this took place in la yeah so so you've got that that crucial horrible amount of people yeah it's the same thing with england like because i've been doing i've listened to a bunch of videos yeah just on on dealing with difficult texts and theological issues coming out of the Bible and of course, rape culture, domestic abuse, rape, yeah. etc. And I was thinking about, okay, but I can remember we did one thing that I remember way back when in the 19, late 1980s, I think okay. early 1900s, just after the Badgley report. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be the late eighties. Um, like, because this is a, the uni- the university, one of the theological schools, University of Manchester, speaking of Manchester, <laughs> plus they're involved with uh, people from the University of Leeds and stuff like that, and talking, um, and all of these different groups of people, and it was Zoomed and everything else, and I'm going, maybe I'm completely out of touch with what is going on in Canada, but it is so much more difficult Everything in Canada is so much more difficult because we've only got 38 million people and we and they are scattered. Yeah. It doesn't matter that, yes, a whole bunch of them live in what we call the Golden Triangle mm-hmm. or the, the, the Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto, and then west of Toronto. It is, it is fair to say that if you take the train uh, from Toronto to Windsor, that's yeah. just most of the people who live in Canada. Yeah, most you know, of them live on that train line. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's 70,000 people here. There's a hundred and some thousand yeah. people in Sudbury. And then there's it, Vancouver, it, and, you know, there's, yeah. but fundamentally, the population of Canada is on that, like, the, the, the big lumping is that one train route. 
Yeah. And the rest of it, like you can take, you drive, we drove across Canada. I mean, you can drive for miles with, you know, the, in the middle of nowhere, there's sort of a gas station because after 200 or 300 kilometers, you need to have a gas station. Somebody needs to put a gas station somewhere. Right? I know, right? You know, or, um, yeah, but you can go for miles, even on highway. Without seeing anything. Except other cars and yeah. trucks. And, mm-hmm. and then you go north and there's nothing. And we still have lots of places that are flying, for heaven's sakes. I know. You know, yeah, I, I know, mean, I know. I got a friend who is a is a nurse and works up north. Yeah. And you know, I would say like there are places that he flies because it's more convenient, and there are places he flies to because he has to. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you can take a look at none of it, which has got which is this this a territory. We've got yeah. three territories: the northern part of Canada, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's never going to become a province. It's got like 300,000 people in it. Iqaluit, the capital, is sitting on Baffin Island in this little corner. And most (laughs) of it is just empty. Yeah. Right? It it is phenomenal. So getting together and doing comprehensive work where everybody gets in touch with everybody else and it's almost impossible to do in Canada. We're too big and there's too few to people. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be. But I mean, when I was talking about I, I must have been talking about the Sikh situation and I'm looking for stuff that's that could be useful mm-hmm. in terms of sort of sexual assault, domestic violence, all of those things. Where do I get it? I get it from England. I get it from California. I get it from someplace else. These are all where you have the concentrate, the population centers, the population centers and the concentration of enough Sikhs to um, generate. Yeah. In Toronto, you have the South Asian. Mm -hmm. You you have sort of this South Asian, the women's South, South Asian thing. Yeah. Right. And that encompasses just about everybody in oh, Southeast yeah. Asia. Well, you know, it is. Um, no, no. It's like there are not, there are never enough of these uh, critical masses, the critical masses of certain minority groups to have their own subculture in an area. Yeah. And, and we're not doing well enough with our own. No, we really That's aren't. It. You know, and then people come to Canada and go, but I don't understand why you've got drug problems. Well, live in this town for long enough and you'll figure it out. Um, you got to do something with your nights. You know, like... It's it, St. Marie. What else are you going to do at you know, night other than get high? It's been, it's been, you know, I, and, you know, everybody else used to go out to camp and get drunk and now oh, they yeah. go out to camp and do whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, you know, the motorcycles slow down now that the summer has come. I was mentioning this to my sister. On Sunday. Yeah. I said, well, the one good thing is I said, you know, the motorcycles aren't so bad on the weekends in the, in the, um, in the summer, like, like the drug dealing stuff, right. Mm-hmm. In the, in, on the weekends, because what happens of course, is people get their supply and go out to camp. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, and they just stay there all weekend, then they come back to town. Because everybody wants everybody wants to think that the drug problem is a problem of the homeless and the and the scuzzers that walk around downtown. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. It's just no, not. No. It's just not. That business is the cocaine. I, it's not even the, you know, it's the, there's the meth and there's the opioids and there's the other ones. But, you know, then there's the heroin and then there's the cocaine and there's all, all of these problems. <laughs> By and- the way, speaking of, uh, literal funniest line in the episode, which um, <laughs> is that the, the Nazi they talk to. Yeah. Uh, admits that like admits just uh, out of hand that crack was you know foisted on the black community by the cia they weren't even smart enough to invent invent the drug that they're all being destroyed by that's very it's a very funny moment yes it was a weirdly funny moment yeah you know it's a very weirdly funny moment yeah it's It's just like uh, to acknowledge oh right this is being done to the black community Yes, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, because, I mean, that's exactly what, oh, I don't even want to. Yeah, even, well, that's a whole other conversation. But, uh, hey, you know what? Which... One good thing, one good thing we can say about the future, right, that we're living in now, yeah. crack's not really a thing anymore. Oh, no, we've got worse drugs. Well, no, you say we've got worse drugs, but the fact is, like, you had this whole generation that was ravaged by crack, and all the kids who grew up in that saw their 25 year old parents looking like 80 year old people because of what crack does to their bodies. And none of them wanted to do crack. Yeah. They still all do heroin and yeah, they do the pills, but you know, crack was really bad people. Yes, it was. Yes. Crack was a nightmare. All you have to do. And you could tell who was on crack. Well, first of all, looking at them, by looking at them because their teeth, it doesn't take long for the teeth to start rotting out. That's one of the first things that goes. That I happens, think. exactly. I mean, I'm not saying meth is great. I'm saying it's not crack. You know? And I'm not saying oxycodone is great. I'm saying it's not crack. Like getting rid of crack and crack not being around anymore and people stopping doing crack, it's a really positive thing. And spoiler alert, apparently cocaine's pretty cheap now as a result. I don't know myself. But that's what I've heard. You're good. welcome. You're welcome, Daniel. Jeez. Oh, I'm not going to do cocaine. Come on, I'm not insane. I don't even drink. I, co- I don't even drink coffee. You think I'm going to do cocaine? Yeah, no, no, I know. Oh, but anyway, but we're, we're hyped up enough as it is. Oh, I know, right? Oh, yeah. We we really got to get this. Don't out of need that stuff. Well, no, but it's like this. Okay, so to to refocus us slightly, but I mean, the reason that all of these racial issues come up in a conversation is because that is what this whole episode is dancing around. Yes. And my, like I said, my only criticism with the episode is that because it's America, because it's 1997, they it's a very powerful episode, but it's a powerful episode about masculinity. It touches on race. But it's an episode about masculinity. Yeah, it's not yeah, an episode sure. about race. Yes, and yes. the Albi version of this would have been about race. And I understand why America couldn't accept doing that episode of television when this show came out. Maybe they I'd say they couldn't do that episode today. You know, Lovecraft County was on TV. Uh, so, you know, obviously they can. Um, like they have the ability to do this episode now. Yeah, I mean, oof, Yellowstone. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> talk about Yellowstone some other time. Yeah. Sorry, just literally the first episode I'm watching. Here's how much of Yellowstone I watch. I did watch the whole first episode. I get to it and it's like, am I seriously watching an episode 
about a bunch of old white people being pissed off that the greedy natives want their land back? Is that seriously <laughs> whose side I'm supposed to be on here? And then they did three sequel shows about the past and about how, you know, these uh, these white people deserve to have the land because look at all the stuff they had to do to get the land from all those natives and from the government. What am I watching? Uh, so, yeah. anyway. And Kevin or Kevin Costner starred in it. Yeah, well, Kevin Costner. He, uh, of, he, of, he of the, uh, what was the one? I mean, he had that whole... Like how how he could do this? I know. Well, no. Apparently, he's not too happy that he's doing it either. Yeah, I mean, I, he would very much not like to be on the show anymore. Well, I mean, I used well. Thank it's been canceled. Thank God. But I mean, I used I used the that whole the documentary series that he um, was part of after he did what was the um, Dances with Wolves. Dances with Wolves. After he yeah. did Dances with Wolves. He was the the um, narrator for ah, okay. this entire documentary on on um, the their First Nations, um, right? That, that, that manifest destiny, the horror. Yeah. It was the documentary form of Ravenous, <laughs> and it was it was really good laying it all out. Yeah, right from the their the indigenous perspective to for the for that that period of time late 90s early 2000s that's fantastic you know and and then to 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 know that he was on yellowstone um yeah it's not a great look for him uh it's just not a great look for him but everybody's on yellowstone jesus got too many divorce payments (laughs) maybe he needs maybe he needs the money i don't know you know don't know I don't know. Anyway, but the point is, um, yeah, like I understand. I think it's a great episode, but it's a great episode again about this, about masculinity, right? It's a great episode about that. And my only complaint is that, and it's not even what the show did. My only complaint is that America is a place that would not allow for the show to do what it had to do to be the best version of this episode. And I honestly think the Albie thing I've discussed there would have been the best version of this episode. Well, yes, I'm not going to say that you're wrong, but you want, but you are going to remind, you are going to say that 100% is clear why they weren't able to do that. Yeah, I, I, I do think so because I, Partly because I think this one must have caused enough, caused enough, <laughs> caused enough problems as it was. No, no it I, was. I think you're right. Okay, I think you're right. But oof, and and what an episode. It touched, I mean, it touched, you know, I mean, remember when Spike, Spike Lee did his, um, what? Oh, what, what movie did he do with the, with the girls and the cheerleaders and the, but, but about this, this differentiation of blackness. What the? Oh, Which one are you talking about? I'd have to go look it up. You, you that, really would, because it's not jumping out at me. Okay, IMDb. Spike Lee. Uh, but yeah, like, if if this episode had been allowed to be the best version of it, that's the only thing I could have that could have caused me to say it was a better episode, because I think this was a fantastic episode. Like, I think it's an incredibly powerful episode. I think it's the best writing we've seen them do. I think it's the best acting we've seen them do. I think it's it's fantastic. 
Could it have hit it harder? It could have hit harder in the way we said, but that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. Now, it's, it's really good. It's a fantastic episode, and it really, like, who could have imagined when we started covering American Cracker that we would be, you know, 12 or 14 episodes in, or no, 12 episodes in and be like, I wish they had made more American Cracker. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that coming. Did nope. you see that coming? No, I didn't see that coming. Like, I don't think we could have possibly seen this coming. It's it's just kind of amazing. But yeah, here we are. We're, we're actually kind of lamenting that the show didn't continue. Oh, so frustrating. All right, so uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, it, she may put the Spike Lee movie she was thinking of in the show notes if she can figure it out. Uh, but for now, we're going to wrap it up here. Thanks so much uh, for listening. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling-related fiction you'd like us to check out, drop us on at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, Oh my God. If you're listening on an app or podcatcher, please rate and review uh, because that's how people find the show. And we always appreciate the help. Now I'm going to do the thing I do every week, which is tell you what to watch next uh, (laughs) because this has been so convoluted. I'm going to load up cracker here on the old internet. And uh, by the way, how great is Carolyn McCormick on the show now that she's like given stuff to do? Yeah. <laughs> How good was she in that scene of wanting to confess to con- uh, Fitz, yeah. Fitz and Fitz not wanting to hear it? Like that's that was great. Yeah, I know the whole thing. Like, I, I but was... she's so good in it. Uh-huh. Like God, like the show has not given her enough stuff to do. And it's as simple as that. All right. Next up is The Club followed by Best Boys. That's right. Best Boys. It will be interesting to see what they do with that. Yeah, I I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see what they do with Best Boys. Who is going to be in it? You know? (laughs) Who's going to be playing these characters? We'll the find first out. Time was John Sim. Yeah. It was John Sim, damn it. That's amazing. All right. Uh, but we'll see you back here for that next week. But until then, I'll say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week. Bye.